0: Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on the team. Good morning to our online community. Hi, guys. Welcome. I hope you voted for the videos uh, earlier on. There's a, a great uh, crowd of our friends online right now. We're in our series uh, called The Call, uh, talking about life of discipleship. I thought about this this week. Linda and I do this thing called house swapping, So we're part of a a consortium worldwide, there's people from all over the world that are part of this membership of this thing, and you swap your house. So somebody will write you, like we had Belgians write us and go, hey, do you want to come to our house? And we'll come to your house. And it's super fun to do because you get to go somewhere you wouldn't, and we're like, okay. And we had people in Belize do it. We had people in Fiji do it. Um, So Like we get to go to these places, like I'm not like planning a trip to Fiji and then I'm like, yes, I'll come to Fiji. You come to my house, I'll come to your house. It is super fun. And it's really fun because I'm one of those people that when you go in and it's their house, like it's their house, like it's not a hotel room. So you go in, I'm like all up in the cupboards, right? I'm just like, wow, look at all the spices these guys have. Wow, their knives are dull. They're not, you know, they're not that much into cooking. Like I do the whole judgment. Like I'm like, you swap houses with me, I'm all up in your chili, like I'm gonna figure out what is going on in your world. And so like, you know, I see the books on their shelves, I see the kind of wine that they drink, like, you know, I'm all in the details of their life. And it's so fun to do until I realize, you got it, they're in my house in my underwear drawer, right? Like, I'm like, wait a minute. They see all the books on my shelf. They are on my TV. They're on my Netflix app, right? On my smart TV going, huh, wonder what this guy's been watching. They are seeing all the sugar cereal on the floor in my pantry. They're like, really, Captain Crunch? For a middle-aged man, that can't be good. <laughs> like, they know all of it. I mean, there is somebody. somebody, they had Australians in our house, and uh, I got a call from them And they said, he said, hey, we got reservations at this surprise, at this restaurant in Napa. And uh, a coat is, a jacket's required. I didn't pack one. But in your closet, I see your sport coat. Can I grab the blue one? I'm like, yes, for sure. And if all your underwear is dirty, feel free. Like, just get whatever you need in my world. Like, it is all the, it is so intimate to swap houses with somebody. And I started thinking about this life of discipleship. And I go, you know, it's not that different from the life that Jesus is inviting us to where he's going to be all in it. He's going to be in every room, in every cupboard, in every drawer. Jesus is in all of it with us. It's that kind of intimate relationship. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, again, what it looks like to follow Jesus and to be his disciple. And we'll come back to that idea of the intimacy of him being in all of it. Look again at our, dis- our definition of discipleship, D- a dis- what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who follows, learns from, and lives like Jesus. And this means then conforming our words and our ways to the words and the ways of Jesus. And I would add this last sentence again, look at it again. This means conforming our words and ways to the words and the ways and the presence of Jesus in all of our life. That's what being a disciple is. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to learn his ways. We're going to learn his words. And we're going to conform ourselves to that. And we're going to live like he is in every part of our life. This is where it gets intimate and a little bit scary. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go through this. So we're going to talk, ask again today, what is Jesus asking of his disciples? This is part two. Shelly last week asked, what is Jesus asking of his disciples? She said, he's asking us to be willing to be interrupted and lead us into the lives of the people that he wants us to, to touch. That's part of following Jesus. That's part of what he asked us. Now he asked us some other things and, and I'll, I'll get to what it is that, um, that he is, uh, is asking of us in just a minute. I want to look at a couple of calls on people's lives in the scriptures as part of getting at what it is that Jesus is asking of us. So I want you to turn with me to the call of Levi slash Matthew, same guy, in Mark chapter 2. So uh, I'd love you, like to have you have your Bibles open in front of you because then you can look at it as we go along. So Mark chapter 2, somebody can give me a page number from a church Bible about where Mark chapter two is? 2.13. Somebody have it? 10.02, 1002, thank you. 10.02 in the church Bibles, love to have you have it open. We're gonna look at it a little bit on the screen, but then I'm gonna take it off the screen, I wanna make sure that you see it, okay? Um, An online community, you guys will have everything you need there, it'll be listed for you as well. So Mark chapter two, um, starting in verse 13, This is Jesus calling Levi. Now, Levi is also Matthew, as we're going to find out. Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew. So he becomes one of Jesus' followers, one of Jesus' disciples, and his name later is Matthew. In fact, when Matthew writes about this encounter in Matthew chapter 9, he calls himself Matthew. Matthew this Levi was his given name. Okay. So this is the same person. We're looking at the call of Levi. Everybody with me? Verse 13. Say yes, if you're with me. All right, here we go. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth. So Levi was a tax collector what you need to know about tax collectors, you may already know everything you need to know, which is that they worked for the Romans. And the Romans were the occupying power over the Jewish people. And they were oppressive, and they raised taxes to do all the things they were doing in the world. And they what they did is they hired, enticed Jewish people to really, in effect, turn against their people and advocate for them being in uh, in in cahoots with them, with the Romans, to get all the taxes that they needed. So tax collectors were seen as enemies of the Jewish people. And so to be a Jewish person and to be a tax collector was sort of like being at the bottom of the barrel in their society. They were really, for, you know, they were, they were hated for being um, uh, sort of in bed with the Romans, and they were hated because not only that, but they took advantage of that power and took extra and lined their own pockets with that. And so they were Seen as just beneath contempt. I mean, it was, it was a, a, they, they hated tax collectors. So now Levi we see as a tax collector. So back to the text, verse um, 14. So as they were walking along the road, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, we don't, you got to use your imagination or there may be some other things that had happened. Like, what? What, how did he just follow him? Were there other, had he heard about Jesus? And, and, and so we know there's probably more that, um, uh, that's behind the scenes here or between the lines, but this is a radical calling and response by Levi. Verse 15, the next line. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, so what happens? He calls Levi, Levi leaves his tax collector's booth and the next scene, they're having dinner at Levi's house. And many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, don't miss that. So they're having dinner at the tax collector's house. A tax collector is following Jesus. They go, and and at the dinner party are many other tax collectors and sinners. And sinners here means people who were not able to or did not want to be compliant with the Jewish law. That's what sinners means. And this is why the the Pharisees called them sinners, because they're like, they're not good Jews. They're not following the law of Moses. And so you notice how many times he starts to talk about this, these Pharisees and the, uh, as Mark records it, he like, so they're having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Why? For there were many of those kinds of people who followed him. I just got to pause there for a minute. That's so good. That's so good. The people who followed Jesus were the broken and outcast people. That's who gathered around Jesus. Many of those people followed him. And when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. Oh, I love this. So here's the call of Levi. Here's the call of the follower of Jesus named Matthew, that he's a tax collector. Jesus goes, you follow me. He leaves his booth. He follows Jesus. He follows Jesus and, uh, and everybody's like, what is the deal with all these messed up people around Jesus? And Jesus goes, that's who I came to. Now, for our holy imagination, what you heard there was the beginning of a little video. I wanna use the chosen video to show the calling of Levi, okay, and calling uh, of Matthew. And uh, our friends at the chosen let us use this by permission uh, w- and we wanna give them props. We want you to go to angelstudios.com where they raise their money where you can see all these videos and also they've got the chosen app. So with that being said, check out the, uh, the calling of Matthew according to their imagination. Mm-hmm. You see the Parthian foot races last night? Darius ran like a gazelle. Jews don't go to foot races. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races? You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh, that would put me out too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you gonna do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes? Follow me. Me? (laughs) Yes, you. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're going to throw it all away. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. I can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. <laughs> Come on, is that not great? You just don't love that. It's so fun. I like how he's got the little little notepad, and he's like, you might find use for it, because he ends up becoming the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. Man, this is so good, this idea. Listen, what is, I love the call of Levi in there. I wanna get some things out of that text and a couple other passages. So what is Jesus asking of his disciples? If we're gonna look at being, living into this call of being disciples, what is Jesus asking of his disciples? First, what is Jesus not asking of his disciples that we see from this text? Jesus is not asking them to be perfect. He's not asking us to be perfect. That is not in the text. The, the, that, that's what this, the whole point of this text is and landing in, in verse 17 at the end of, the, of Mark 2, 13 through 17. The whole point of the text is Jesus goes, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm not looking for people who have pulled it all together. I'm not even looking for good people. I'm not looking for upstanding people. I'm not looking for people that have cleaned it all up this is a misconception that religious people put on the world around them, like pull it together and then God will come and somehow accept you. That is so far from the gospel. Thank God. None of you live like that. Thank God. Our church is a place where we recognize the good news of Jesus, that he's not asking us to be perfect, not to be called, not to be a part of this journey. And that's why the text goes on. Jesus goes on to give that teaching. that just says, look at you, you, it's sick people that need help it's not the righteous people who need me it's the sinners and that's who he is that's who matthew is and so he comes to him now some of you may be thinking wait what do you mean he's not asking us to be perfect i think actually jesus did ask us to be perfect that's in matthew 5:43 jesus said be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect and in paul or peter actually in the book of first peter chapter 1 he said be holy as your father in heaven is holy, as the one who called you is holy. So there's this call. We're not talking about don't, don't be r- righteous, don't live into obedience to God. That's not what, it's, what, I, what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is, is that at the beginning of the journey, we just respond to the Lord. We just respond to his call. He reaches out and he finds sick people. He reaches out and finds broken people. He, re- he reaches out and finds si- people that are sinners, that are far away from obeying the law of God. And he goes, you come follow me. There's nothing we have to do to, be, to respond to the call of God. And so if you've been kind of holding back and going, man, I got to pull my life together. I got to like, you know, I can't come back to, to church or small group or have honest conversations with people until I pull it all together. Listen, that's not the call of Jesus. So what Jesus is not saying to his disciples is to follow me, you got to be perfect. Now later, when he says, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect, the context there is, go all the way in loving him. Go all the way in loving the world. Go all the way. Perfect your following. Be all in, which Shelley preached a little bit about last week. That's what he means by being perfect. We don't just accept grace and then keep on sinning, right? Romans 6, 1. Paul says, what should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? No, of course not. He goes, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? That's not who we are. This is not a question of, well, great, I got grace, and now I'm just going to keep sinning. Well, who does that? No, this, is, this invitation is right where you are, broken, sick, lost, unrighteous, come follow Jesus, and then we're going to want to be his people. And all that obedience stuff is going to take care of itself. Nobody Folllows Jesus, gets close to him, and then goes, How much can I still sin? This is awesome. He's too good, and there's too much life. Now we still stumble and fall, but we're not required to be perfect before we start this journey. Secondly, what we're not being asked to do, we're not being asked to be religious. We're not being asked to be religious. This is where the word sinner comes from in this text. They keep using the word sinner. And as I mentioned, sinner was their word, the the teachers of the law, their word for people who were not in compliance with the law, who were not therefore in the best standing among the Jewish people, who were not seen as being obedient to the law of Moses. They either weren't, didn't want to, couldn't, kept falling, whatever. Those were the sinners and tax collectors were the perfect illustration of those people who chose a life outside the blessing of being one of God's people and being accountable to God's law. And so this is who this text is talking about. Jesus is like, yes, that's who I came for. But those aren't religious people. The contrast here is the Pharisees in this case, who were the teachers of the law. Now the Pharisees, for the most part, probably were were passionate men who wanted to serve Yahweh so much and wanted to be so faithful to his law. But in its worst, at its worst, religion degenerates to people being legalistic, judgmental, ticking the boxes, right? What did Jesus say about all that? You have all the the forms of godliness, well, Paul said that forms of godliness, but you deny its power. Jesus said, you do all these things, but your hearts are far from me. So religion at its worst is just doing the stuff. And that's not what his disciples, what Jesus is asking of his disciples. He's not asking them to be perfect, and he's not asking them to be more religious. He's not going, look at clean up, show up, be a member in good standing, give to the church, then everything's good. That has nothing to do with following Jesus at being a disciple. In fact, he's like, Yeah, I don't actually, I'm not here for the people who are already all righteous, which was a dig at the Pharisees who were self-righteous, who actually didn't feel like they needed God because they were already so good in God's eyes. He goes, yeah, no, I'm looking for the people that know they're broken, know they're sick, and are ready to follow me toward life. So so what's Jesus asking of his disciples? It's not to be perfect, it's not to be forgiven. I'd be sorry, it's not to be religious, but he's asking us, in fact, to follow him. This is language we're going to keep using. And the, the emphasis I want to make here: When Ben talked about it two weeks ago, he said proximity is the key. That's what following is all about. Get near him. Are you ready to get near him? Shelley last week said, uh, "If we follow Jesus, we're going to follow him toward people. Are we ready to be interrupted by God? Have a, the trajectory of our life changed with his interruptions to go to the people that he will take us to? Because that's always where Jesus goes: is to people." So that's about following him. I just want to go to the really super basic idea of following him means being present with him, being in the room with him, having him right there with us in our room, in our closet, right where we are, right in the midst of what it is that we're we're walking through. This is what he did ask of us, is to follow him. He said to Matthew, follow me, get with me. Not like, hey man, are you going to stop it with the Romans? Are you going to, you know, go pull it together, go make it right with your family, get under the law, repent. He just said, follow me, and we're going to now go on this journey. And isn't it wild just to see it imagined on film, to see the guy just get out, just start walking? He just started walking with Jesus, right? And the question is, well, where are they going? And and Matthew has no idea. He goes, where are we going? We're like, we're going to have a dinner party. He's like, well, I don't get to go to dinner parties. They're like, well, that's okay, because it's at your house. That's what's next. Like, he's just with him. He's with him in the midst, in this brand new life. There was no There was no parameters being laid out. There was no, like, contract that was signed. He was just with him. So what is Jesus asking of his disciples? It's not to be perfect. It's not to be religious. It's to be with him. All up in our chili, as Ben Kern says. In every room in that house, in every drawer, in every aspect, he's with us in those things. And I love And the response is that we'll just be gratefully present on that journey. That's what what Matthew did. He's just like, okay, here I go. I'm coming. Apparently he'd seen Jesus enough around to know what was going on. If you look at the first part of the episode, they imagined him seeing some of the miracles and going, what do I do with this? And then he was ready just to be with him in it. And in that he was gonna meet God, and that was all that he needed. One of the other, uh, so he just gratefully responded. One of the other uh, calls I wanna look at, look at um, Luke chapter nine with me. I wanna look at the the passage about Zacchaeus. Luke chapter nine, 19, sorry, Luke 19 is the passage about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus uh, and what Jesus' call on his life, Um, what do we know about Zacchaeus? (laughs) He was a wee little man. That's all we know. It's from Sunday school. It's a little song. That, like, that's all we know about Zacchaeus, but it's a really, a really cool story about the, uh, the, him coming to follow Jesus. Let's look at it together. Just Luke 19, verse 1. You ready? Say yes if you're ready. Yeah. All right. J- J- Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, um, there was a man there named, by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. So again, these broken people, these outcasts were the ones that were hanging around Jesus. I love that. That's you. That's you and me. And whatever weird thing we got in our head that says like, oh, man, I mean, I got to pull it together. I got to be the best me at church or with God or what, you know. We do this weird thing like, here's the best me, God. I'm doing God. I'm all with you. And the worst me over here, I just keep away from him. I go into some weird spiral. I drop out of all the deep conversations with people. I just like, that's not what it is. And so this, this he's a chief tax collector. So apparently, yeah, there's all these people around him. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, as we know from the flannel graph, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, um, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, and it's just, didn't you love that picture of Jesus walking by, making eye contact, Jesus always knowing, being about his father's work, and knowing right there, oh, I'm going to call Matthew right now. And this is what he did with Zacchaeus. He walked by, he looked up in the tree, and he saw Zacchaeus, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. All up in his chili. (laughs) Matthew, he follows Jesus. The next day, they're having a dinner party at Matthew's house. Zacchaeus, come down. I must come to your house. I must. This is gonna happen. I'm coming to your house. And so Zacchaeus, verse six, Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him, what's it say? Yeah. Gladly, this is what it looks like. To respond to the call of God in our sinfulness, to, to respond to God saying, come be with me. like we're, we're responsive, humble, grateful. And we get on the journey with him. And Zacchaeus comes down and welcomed Jesus gladly. Verse seven, and all the people saw this Uh, All the people who saw this began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Of course they did. They can't believe that Jesus is hanging around people with this disreputable life. So what is Jesus asking? He's asking uh, of his disciples. He's he's not asking they be perfect. He's not asking they be religion. He's asking that they follow him and be with him and respond uh, um, with with gratefulness and humility to the fact that Jesus is what they need. And man, that response, that following response, that being with Jesus is so ident- um, definitive of their identity now. Think about that. They're like, I'm a Jesus follower. They're like, what do you do? I'm a fisher. No, I'm a Jesus follower. Well, what do you do? I'm a tax. Co- well, no. I'm a Jesus follower. Like that is what I do. And it is so wild at how definitive that is and how it changes their identity and how it now shapes everything. Because again, Jesus is in it all with us. He's in that room. He's in the next room. He's in the closet. He's in the cupboard. He is everywhere in our life. He's with us. And so this changes their identity. I mean, Matthew, I loved how they pictured that on the screen that he gave Gaius his key. You know, the fishermen, I don't know if Shelly said this at her sermon or where I heard this this week, but the fishermen could go back to fishing if they decided they weren't going to follow Jesus anymore. Matthew, he was all in. He was not going to go back to the Romans and go, never mind, you can trust me. It was never going to happen. And he gave him his key. And he goes, you're going to throw this all away? And Matthew's answer, yes. And I know Shelly did a great job. If you didn't get her sermon last week, um, go listen to it. She did a great job going, What does that mean? I mean, we can't all just drop everything because we're all working and doing all those things. So we translate that into our, our lives now. But the truth is, it changes our identity like that that we're now Jesus followers, that we can never identify ourselves in any other way that is more meaningful than that thing. I'm a Christ follower. I'm on the journey to follow Jesus, and it's changed my identity. I am all in. Not to be perfect, not to be religious but to literally be with him in it all. That's what I do. That's what I do. It was so identity changing that I have this theory. I have this theory that, you know, Levi was his given name. Levi, son of Alphaeus. That was his given name. And only later does he call himself Matthew. Do the other disciples call him Matthew. And I wonder, and they showed it here. I wonder if Jesus gave him a new name. Now he may have had two names. That was not uncommon. But I wonder if Jesus gave him a new name or wanted him to go by the new name as a new part of his identity because the name Matthew means gift of the Lord. And it's like, will you follow me? And Jesus called him, Matthew, gift of the Lord, will you follow me? And did you see when he said Matthew, son of Alphaeus? That's not what the text says. The text says Levi, son of Alphaeus. When Jesus called him, he used the name Matthew in that film. And again, I I wonder if that's when it happened. That Jesus said to him, you're going to be a gift from the Lord. Now you come. And this is your new identity. That's how radically changing this is. So who are we? What does he ask of us? We're followers. We get with him and he gets in all of it with us. And then last, and boy is this related, apparently he asked to come to our house. That's what he did. What did Jesus ask of his disciples? He asked to come to their house, oh my gosh. It happened with Matthew, it happened with Zacchaeus, and friends, it's happened with us. That Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house. It reminds me of Revelation 3.20, where Jesus' words in John's vision, Jesus said, here I am. Look at that um, that passage in John three, you can put that on the screen, Revelation 3. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I'm standing at the door of your life and I'm knocking on it, Jesus says. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. I will come in. They will be with me and I will be with them. I will come in and sup with them. I will come in and have table. Fellowship with them. This is what got Jesus in trouble. He was having table fellowship with sinners in the Middle East. You don't have table fellowship with dirty people, with outcasts. It's there's intimacy built in to that story. There's there's a there's a uh, you're you're doing life together. I looked up the Greek word eat from Romans of Revelation chapter three verse twenty. Here they all will come in and eat with him. I looked up the Greek word. You know what it means? Eat. It means we're going to do life together. We're going to be together. We're going to have relationship. I'm going to be welcomed into your house. Jesus is coming to our house metaphorically. What does that mean? It means he's going to be in every room and in every cupboard and in every drawer, and we're going to be with him in that. We're going to be like, yeah, no, like, hear how intimate this sounds? This is what Jesus is asking of his disciples: not to be perfect, not to be religious. But to follow him, be with him, and to let him come to the house. And some of us are like, my grout's dirty in the guest bathroom. I don't want him coming to my house. The stuff in those drawers, the things in my, in my, uh, in my Netflix uh, lineup. I don't want him in my house. But Jesus is like, come on, this is where life is found. But we go, whoa, that's too intimate. We go, this is what we say. Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to come to your house. Hey, Matthew, I'm coming to your house. You're hosting a dinner. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house. He says that to every one of us, I'm coming over. I'm knocking on the door, and I'm coming over. And we go, you know what? I get a better idea. I'll come to your house, Jesus. I'll go to church. I'll come to your house. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's nice. But I'm coming to your house. And I'm going to be in it all. In every room. In every facet. In every hour, in every dollar, in every thought, in every place. This is what Jesus calls us to. And friends, if that's terrifying, it should be. But it's terrifyingly beautiful because everywhere he is, there is life at its fullest. And so we let him in. And the text says, he goes, I'm going to knock and I'm going to keep knocking. If you hear me, let me in. I'm going to come in and we're going to do life. Church, is that where you are? Is that where you are, friends? Is that what you've done? Have you let him in? Are you on the journey of going, come on in? Which room do you want to start with? Yep, let's go through here. Yep, let's go through that cl- closet. He's like, how about this drawer? We're like, no, maybe next time. He's like, let's go to this drawer. You're like, no. Is there places that we're stiff-arming Jesus and going, I don't want, I don't want you in that place. I don't want you in that relationship. I don't want you in that habit. I don't want you in those choices. Friends, this is just a reminder and rehearsal of the good news. That to be a disciple of Jesus is that he will come and meet us right where we are. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He didn't come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And he meets us in that and brings life and healing. And let's let him in. So band, come on out and let's, uh, let's respond in worship. But even as we do, church, let me give you this homework. Let me give you this spiritual formation exercise to do this week with this good news. What if, and I was talking to, to my friend Luke Hoy this week and I, this thought popped into my head and I was rehearsing it ever since we had that conversation. But what if every door you walk through, every room you walk into this week, Right, Whether it's your front door going into your house, whether it's the bedroom as you're going to bed with your spouse, whether it's your, the kitchen, whether it's the, the kid's bedroom when you go to say goodnight, uh, whether it's the, uh, a grocery store that you walk into, whether it's coming back here next Sunday morning, every room you walk into, it, see it as a portal and see it as a, as a, like, when I go through this door, Jesus, of whom I'm his disciple, Jesus is in that room. And let me interact with him and receive all the healing and life that he has for me in that room. So what if every doorway was a marker, an alarm for you, a notifier of you like, oh, Jesus is in this. Jesus is over on this side. And I'm his man. I'm his woman. Jesus is in this room. So what if, as an experiment, every portal you walk through, you identify that you're a follower of Christ and he's with you right there to bring life to that thing. And man for the grace to not stiff arm him and keep him out of some of it. Let's invite him in and watch what he does. That's who we are as his disciples. Let's stand and respond in worship even now.